Welcome to the Pain-Free Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Jones. I am a certified personal trainer, and I'm here to help you achieve your fitness goals without pain. In each episode, I'll share tips and strategies that will help you stay safe and pain-free while you're working out. I'll also interview experts in the field of fitness and pain management. So if you're ready to learn how to stay active and pain-free, then subscribe to the Pain-Free Athlete Podcast today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Pain-Free Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Jones. Today, I had the opportunity to watch Alan Gordon's new film, Pain Brain. For those of you who don't know Alan Gordon, he is the director of the Pain Psychology Center in Los Angeles and the co-author of the book, No Way Out. Alan's bread and butter is somatic tracking, which is tending to your physical sensations mindfully with fear, without fear and judgment. It allows the person to process the pain and emotions in a controlled manner. Uh, he has had great success doing this over the years, and this movie is essentially the culmination of this product, or maybe just the beginning. I guess we'll see what happens uh, through the reviews and um, hopefully some attention that's brought to it. Anyway, um, watching the movie was uh, entertaining at best because, you know, I was sitting there and I'm laughing as things are as the movie is processing and I'm seeing these things and thinking, oh crap, I did that too. Um, so of course it starts off with a Google search and the person says, you know, they typing in like something about their back. And I just laugh because Dr. Google was my main physician for, I don't even know how many years. Um, and then there's an audio overlap of people saying, you know, oh, well, you know, I can't walk very far. Um, I did this and I threw my back out, I'm exhausted from my pain. I stopped exercising. I stopped moving my body. And of course I'm just cringing because those are all the things that I was saying. It wasn't about back pain, but it was about migraines. And I really did make my life small. And it's kind of sad listening to these people who essentially have the same experience. Um, Alan goes on to tell us that 70 million people, um, are suffering from chronic pain. And he said that 50 million don't have to be. And that also struck me because, you know, the idea that there is a cure or if anything, at least there's a lessening, um, is something that's wonderful and obviously not put forward because, uh, there's a lot of implications to this type of practice. So, um, he continues to talk about the fact that treating pain is always been from a structural perspective and that, you know, there's something wrong. So that must have been a cause of something I did. And of course, psychologically, I know that that sucks because then you get into this blaming process, which also perpetuates the pain because then it is as a result of something that I did. And, um, that's something that just doesn't help you move forward. So he uh, talks about the fact that we're evolutionary wired to associate physical pain with physical injury. And until we learn how to kind of shake that up, we're never going to get out of our pain. Um, he also shares his own personal story about the things that he did and thought and you know, and I recall this from other stuff that he talked about, you know, not being able to get out of a chair and the sad, the sad, sad point of waiting 14 hours until I get back to bed again. 
um, which anybody who's suffered from pain clearly has had those types of feelings. And it's just horrible that we get into that mode. He figured out that over three years, he spent about $1.5 million on all of his uh, different modalities of, you know, x-rays and medications and scans and this and that. And I know when I did mine, I realized that I was probably, when I stopped taking all my medications, I was probably saving myself somewhere between six and $8,000 a year on all the different things that I was doing between acupuncture, chiropractic, uh, all the different meds that I had running at the same time. So, and you know, in my brain, my pain was minimal to somebody who was suffering from back pain or, um, you know, cause the scans get pretty expensive. So there's three points that I want to bring out about the movie or three points of interest, I should say for someone who's watching it. And I do recommend that you watch it. If anything is give you something to talk about, but, um, you know, the first thing is that pain is a danger signal, meaning that whenever you do something, you, know, you slam your finger in the door or something like that, your body sends a signal to the brain. The brain goes, ow, and then you try to stop or remove the stimuli from your body, right? So if I'm touching a stove, if I slam my finger, right, you want to open the door to get your finger out of that so that you can assess and, and do the things you need to do. And then typically what the brain does is then it starts to rewire, right? So now when you see the door, you make sure that your fingers are clear and I'm not going to slam my finger in the door anymore. Or when you see the stove and, you know, it's glowing, I'm talking about electrical stove, but it's glowing red, you know, oh, I'm probably not going to put my hand on that because that's going to burn. The issue with chronic pain is that eventually what ends up happening is that you keep getting those signals over and over and over again. So your brain starts to amplify the signal and then the simple avoidance of, oh, I don't want to do that because it's going to hurt goes and gets bigger and bigger and bigger, which creates a lot of issues. Number two is the idea of the research, um, that they did at Colorado, um, university Boulder and Dr. Torwager was one of the people who used fMRI studies and what they did was um, looked at how the brain interprets pain before they did all their psychological uh, work and then what does it look like after. And this is essentially the only way that you can show people like, yes, this does work and this is where we are. So the theory was, can the brain unlearn pain, right? we learned this pain, right? We learned that this sensation causes this discomfort and can we reverse that and essentially get ourselves out of pain? Um, they measured patients' brains before and after. Um, they did this for about a month. They worked first with Dr. Schubner, who is a doctor, a physician. So he was able to determine whether or not their injuries were from um, something that is clinically wrong and needs to be addressed, or is this something that they can work with? I guess you can kind of say they were cherry picking, but you know, again, if somebody who has a structural injury where, you know, I don't know, it could be something like a bones being removed or a leg was amputated or something like that. This isn't somebody who's going to necessarily uh, benefit from this type of therapy. <clears throat> so once he did his evaluation 
and was able to decide that the person was eligible for the study, then it was time for them to move to Alan and his therapy. And the film shows the process. And it was very interesting to watch um, some of the things that came up during the movie. Um, you know, people thinking that they didn't suffer from trauma, but yet then talked about a traumatic event that someone from the outside looks at and goes, holy crap, that is really um, something that was traumatic, but they're normalized because, you know, a lot of times we observe these types of things and we go, well, I don't have time for that. So we're just going to act like it didn't happen. Or this is just normal because this is something that happens in my family all the time. Or it maybe it's trauma that you're just completely blocking and don't want to um, revisit because it's just too painful. And so through the eight weeks or so getting all this therapy, there was a shift and people were starting to make changes in their lifestyle and they were stopping avoiding the things that they felt like were going to put them in pain. They started thinking about their pain differently, um, noticing, you know, like, oh, when I felt X, then I felt a twinge in my shoulder. And instead of going, holy crap, there's a twinge in my shoulder. That means I'm going to be in pain for the rest of the day or whatever it may be going, oh, that's interesting. Right. And moving in that direction. And then he started to see that people were um, getting better and that their pain numbers were coming down. I don't want to totally ruin the film because it is a short film, um, but I definitely wanted you guys to have an idea of the things that will come up and that the interesting points, and especially if you're a chronic pain sufferer, hearing this kind of validates our feelings of like, there is something that we're moving toward and that there probably isn't a medication, or if I've tried all the medications, that's going to work. And I think that it gives people hope. And that is, I feel like a brave thing for Alan to do because he's putting his reputation online as well as these other doctors that participated in this. And hope is a beautiful thing because unfortunately that's what we all live for, especially when you're waking up every day in pain. The last point I want to make is that there is truly a need for a paradigm shift. You know, um, there's such a reliance on the medical model and the idea that only drugs will fix me or only this will fix me. And if anything, the idea that there are different approaches, and I'm not necessarily saying his approach is correct. It may not be right for you. And there's other things that you can do, but I know it's right for me. And I know that it would be cool to like go to my, you know, personal physician and have them write a, you know, a script to go and have this type of therapy because it's in the end, it's going to save my insurance carrier a ton of cash because then they're not going to be doing the scans. They're not going to be doing the medicine. They're not going to be doing all the other things that are associated with it. Aside from personally, it's going to save me a ton of cash because it's not coming out of my pocket since a lot of the therapies that I was doing were not covered by insurance and were totally coming out of my side gigs and all this other stuff. Um, one of the other things that was brought up was the pain study that was done in the early 2000s. And this was about osteoarthritis in the knees. 
And I remember hearing about this study and then I thought, holy smokes, what a can of worms they opened up. Uh, essentially, it was a, a placebo knee surgery type study. And people, all the people had osteoarthritis and some of the people were given a real surgery. Some of the people were given a placebo surgery and then some of the people were given no surgery at all. And it showed that the people that uh, got the placebo surgery did as well as the people who got the real surgery. I don't know how I would feel about that because if I'm paying for you to do something and then it doesn't get done or you just cut my knee and then do a stitch or whatever, I may be a little offended, not sure about the ethics of it. Um, and so I'm sure a lot of people have bashed it since then, but I always thought it was interesting as well as I thought, uh, I can't remember how many years ago, it was probably like six or seven years ago when the Dalai Lama came here and needed to have some sort of brain surgery. And he asked to not be um, under anesthesia. And it was awesome because, you know, he said, I just need a little bit of time. And he got himself into a meditative state. And then they were able to do the surgery without putting him under or sedating him in any way. I'm pretty sure you have to be awake for some kind of brain surgery. But they were able to do that with him. So the idea that your your mind or your brain are, are not powerful enough to handle things is definitely a matter of perspective. And I think that if you do enough training and you can get yourself going in the right direction, then probably anything is possible. Uh, and then the last point is, you know, there was a, a disagreement that was kind of happening in there. And it was, it was interesting because what he was saying to the doctor, there was a physician there, is that letting someone know that there is something physically wrong with them perpetuates the perceived danger. And of course, that creates all kinds of issues because, you know, as a doctor, you need to tell somebody if something is wrong with them structurally, right? If there's a herniated disc or whatever that may be. On the other end, he's saying is that, you know, once they do that, people decide that's their fate. And maybe there's a meeting of the minds or, you know, a middle ground where that information is shared with the patient and then you are pushed off to, and this is what we can do before we go to a surgical procedure and work with that. Because essentially you're going to find people who don't want to listen and want the surgery because they're hoping for the relief. And then there may be people who are terrified of the surgery and think that this is the right thing for them. And that, you know, maybe if I work on this and then I get past that, essentially everybody has abnormalities, right? It's the only one who doesn't is a, well, and that's not necessarily true, but I was going to say a baby, right? When a baby is born, everything is good as long as they're physically sound, right? And no um, birth defects or anything like that. But the minute that we start putting pressure on our joints, we wear our cartilage. We, we stretch out our ligaments. We do all those kinds of things. So when you're a person my age in your fifties and a doctor says to you, Oh, it's bone on bun, bone on bone. No kidding. Of course it's bone on bone because I've been walking on them for 50 some odd years and doing, you know, being active in various ways. So if there wasn't where I would be concerned about the fact that there wasn't anywhere, or maybe I wouldn't, I don't know. But my point is, is that 
you know, when you're in that situation and you hear that, right. And so many of my clients on bone on bone and they decide they're done and that they're frightened by that circumstance and decide that they're not going to be able to walk or hike with their friends or do those types of things. You really are giving somebody a death sentence. And I don't know if that's appropriate or if it is, you know, mindful that the fact that people are fearful and you are running into the situation. So maybe medical information with some considerations of the patients and their mental well-being is probably the middle ground. It's like giving you the diagnosis and not sentencing you to um, a life of inactivity and depression. Um, and of course this comes from a place where I was told, you know, you're just somebody who has migraines and you're going to have them for the rest of your life. And you're just going to have to learn how to suffer. And that was head of a neurology department. So when the chief is telling you that suck it up buttercup, you know, you definitely lose hope. So, um, the takeaway for sure is, you know, how can we approach pain in a manner in which, Every modality is honored. You know, how can we put ourselves in a position that the medical model is still used as the gatekeeper, but works in association with other modalities to help patients get better? Because isn't that the ultimate goal? I mean, we don't all want to be on drugs and stuff like that. So anyway, I think that's my thoughts for now. I'm going to put the link for the movie in the show notes. It like I said, it's a short film, so it shouldn't take too much of your time and share your opinions with me and I will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Pain-Free Athlete Podcast. I hope you found the information shared with you of value. Um, please feel free to rate and review and we will see you next time.